Welcome to the basement. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. Well, priest and fish. Yes, Bernice. I'm fine. I was in the bathroom. I must have dozed off. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. What's the name of the place? Uh, the name of the place is, uh, Bob's Country Bunker. Here we are. Bob's Country Bunker? Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your hosts, Jeremy Lunnan and John Dimke. We've got to protect our phony baloney job, gentlemen. We must do something about this immediately. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome, John. This is a live stream. It's been a couple weeks been forever yeah yeah three weeks so we just thought we'd uh <clears throat> i've been kind of sick i'm feeling a lot better today well you don't look great i uh, know i never do thank you <laughs> but i didn't i didn't want to expose you to what i've got so so okay. we're doing it we just I appreciate that as a live stream oh I, I got a private chat from you john oh you're welcome Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So, okay. I got excited. I thought it was, you know, like someone important that uh, texted me. Oh, no. Nah. It was just it was just you. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. And we, at some point, John, will be talking about a great album from 1979. We're going to talk about uh, Breakfast in America from Super Tramp. But so much has been going on over the last few weeks. I kind of wanted to just touch base with you. On a few things. First of all, we both have been to some. You've been to a couple concerts. Yeah, I've been to a couple concerts. I got out, saw some bands. Sweet. So one, I'm really excited to hear a report about. Uh, some, I saw oh, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> so I won tickets uh, from my work. My work. Uh, there's we have an arena here in Spokane called the Spokane Arena, <laughs> and. They have like these box box seats, and uh, my company buys a couple seats every year, and and anything they don't want to go to, they they raffle off. So yeah, I won tickets to New Kids, and In Vogue was there, and Rick Astley. Rick Astley. Now, see, I would totally go see Rick Astley. He had maybe four songs, and that was it. Was he first? Was he before In Vogue or after In Vogue? He was. They didn't really do it like that. They did. Oh. It was almost like a Broadway review that they kept going back and forth between the different acts. Oh, so was it like the same backing band for the whole performance? Yes. All it's, recorded. The, the, the backing band was Tascam. Yep. <laughs> so nice. there was no musicians. There was no live bodies on stage that weren't... Uh, they didn't have a microphone in their hand. Yeah. In the old days, they call that a track show, right? Everything was to a backing track. Not a single musician on stage. Interesting. I've seen clips of, uh, there's a fun clip of Rick Astley joining the Foo Fighters to sing yeah. Never Gonna Give You Up. And it's fun. He looks yeah. healthy. He, he looks, looks healthy. He was he having fun. He sings good. He has fun. I mean, he kind of knows who he is. Totally. He doesn't take yeah. himself too seriously. It was to it was awesome. They had one of those mini stages. So they had a big wow. stage towards the one side and they had a mini one over. So New Kids in the Block would do something and then they'd shift the light and he would sing a song. 
on oh, the other that's end. Cool. Very, very little security. Nobody I'm was sure up there grabbing him. Did his uh, his three three or four hits? Never yeah. going to give you up. Together forever. There was a ballad he sang that I didn't know. Yeah, there's a there's a there was a few. Yeah, there was three a, or four songs. Three or four songs. Well, good. In but Vogue, you, I can't remember their big hit, but I was working in radio when In Vogue was big. I worked at a, what they call an urban CHR. So we played a lot of. What's a CHR? In Vogue. What's a CHR? CHR is contemporary hit radio. So oh. an urban slanted, you know, and in, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was what they'd call a rock CHR, which maybe was more hair, hair metal. Right. We were in urban, we were in Oklahoma, we were in urban CHR. So we kind of leaned more towards the R and B side. So we played a lot of in vogue and expose and expose MC hammer. And, you know, we played all of that stuff and Rick Astley, of course, and new kids on the block. Right. So how did the new kids look? They look surprisingly healthy. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're as old as us or a little older. At least, at least, but yeah. they they took every opportunity they could to take their shirts off. Nice. And some of them had six packs. Marky, Marky uh, Mark, not Mark no. Wahlberg, his brother, um, uh, Danny Wahlberg. Danny Wahlberg took his shirt off a lot. Yeah. He so did. or Donnie, not Danny. Don, Donnie, 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 Donnie yeah. Wahlberg. But Mark Wahlberg is the one that's the actor, right? The most famous of the two. So and, Mark was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, right? At first, it was New Kids with. Donnie Wahlberg. And Donnie's married to um, uh, Jim Carrey's ex. Really? She was on MTV for a while, 25 years ago. Was it an enjoyable show? Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. (laughs) Okay. So the ratio ratio of men to women was probably, not that that's an indicator of anything, but Mm -hmm. it was probably 95% women there. Oh, yeah. And they well, had a really good time. When, 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 and they were probably all our age, right? They were all probably. Oh, they're all our age, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they had some uh, seating that was interesting. They had a, a runner that came off the middle of the stage, and they had like cafe chairs that were set up against the runway. Interesting. Never, of all the concerts I've seen, that's the first time I saw that. So wow. people had their drinks sitting on top of the stage. So cool. Well, that's yeah. kind of cool. Then you saw another concert that I wasn't I wasn't familiar with this artist. Yeah, I saw oh what was his name? Uh my wife bought tickets again. <laughs> oh, terrible. did Cheryl did Cheryl Cheryl went to see new kids with Oh him. yes, she thought it was great. Oh, I'm sure she did. Awesome. And I saw Florida at the casino. Florida. As oh, in I, like is that a play on Florida? Or? Yeah, I think he's from Florida or closely tied to the Panhandle State. <laughs> and so was this is he an R&B artist? Is he's he an R&B artist. Uh I would call his music fitness hip hop. <laughs> is that a thing? Cuz we make that up. I I made it up. I made it up. Oh, okay. Fitness hip hop because we used to go to a a gym that had this aerobic thing about 5 10 years ago and it was big mm-hmm. and they would play this guy's songs all the time and you would do these squat crunches down up low 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 and you you have to cripple get your crippled body back up so he was on stage at the casino and he was jumping around for a good 90 minutes wow he did not let up the crowd was so into him it the crowd was you know it was it was a good crowd they're relatively safe there was nothing going on with it great concert great time that's nothing to do with classic rock no that's that's all right you know what I'm a fan of live music. Seriously. I will go see just about any kind of music live. Uh, now I prefer, so like did Florida have an actual band or was it no. all kind of, he had a DJ. So yeah, in see, that, I, I think a in band. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. But I think yeah. in this context, having a rap, I've seen several uh, hip hop rap R and B artists that don't have a band at all. And that's yeah. kind of like common. And yeah. you, you say you save a ton of money. Well, and even the new kids on the block show, same type of deal. You know, it's uh, it just it, it's a different crowd, right? Classic rock people right. just assume you're going to see a band. And in fact, mm. 
it makes us mad when we know someone's singing to a track. You know, that's a big, yeah. a big deal with Kiss, for instance, that they're being supported by recorded backing vocals or whatever. It's just interesting. It's the type of music, totally the type of music. So at the same venue that you saw Florida. Okay. So this would have been the two weekends ago. I saw John Fogarty. And he I played saw, to a backing track too. No, 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 no. His was all all live, and you know what? It I saw him about twenty years ago. I saw him twenty years ago at Riverfront Park, which is a park downtown Spokane. In nineteen seventy four, the World's Fair was in Spokane, Washington, and after they refurbished downtown and tore out acres and acres and blocks of old nasty buildings to make the train park, yards. Yeah, it's the train yards. They tore all that out. All they left was the big clock tower, which is now like a major landmark in the middle of this nice park. Well, then then they named it Riverfront Park after the uh, World's Fair pulled out. Well, anyways, every year there there's a big uh, festival called Pig Out in the Park, and then usually a few times a year there'll be concerts down there. I've seen Fogarty there. I've seen ZZ Top there. I've seen a number of different bands there. I saw Fogarty about 20 years ago, and uh, I saw him here two weeks ago, 20 years older. And? And it, it was good. You know, you forget there, are, there aren't a lot of artists that can play 90 minutes, and everyone knows every single song. That's so true. I mean... Uh, the the big the big uh, irony with uh, CCR, I, I believe this is a true s- statement. They never had a number one song, but they had like eight number two songs, right? They, uh, but but I mean, it was just song after song after song after. I mean, one right after another. And uh, here's what's really cool: two of his sons play yeah. in the band with him, and they both look just like him. I mean, you, they, I, you, you can tell each is his son. They don't look alike. They don't look like twins, but you see him in both of them. One of them, especially the one who's kind of the lead guitar player now looked just like Fogarty looked in the late sixties. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool, you know, and the opening band was just his son's band. So you talked about oh. saving you talked about saving money. Well, you see the opening band, which are his boys, Shane and Corey or what I don't remember their names, but they're both named Fogarty. So they have this band that does psychedelic. They literally sounded like Steppenwolf, you know, or Cream, you know, very late 60s psychedelic. It was a lot of fun. And then Fogarty comes out. And he's the only person that's different on the whole stage, right? So, hey, those, that was the opening band. So very smart on uh, Fogarty's part. The opening, his his backing band is the opening band. So it's pretty smart, actually. But it was a good show. So the band's and, all broke in. They're all warmed up, ready to play another 90 warm, minutes. They did. They changed their clothes. So they, they, they actually have the full-on 60s bell-bottom pants and everything when they do their thing. And then they come back, they're wearing, you know, flannel shirts like Fogarty and and uh, become a roots rock band at that point. But it was fun. It was a good show and it was good. You know, it was so, just hit after hit after hit. Perfect. So how old are his kids? His kids must be in their 50s now. Well, I think I, I think it's probably from a second wife uh, because okay. they look like they were maybe 30. They were young, you know, maybe in the early 30s. I think Fogarty's like 78, 77, 78. So, yeah, he's old enough, and he might have older kids that are in their 50s, right, 40s or 50s. But these kids look like they were in their late 20s, early 30s, but they were really good, and it was fun. Do you have any uh, concerts coming up? I might go see Leonard Skinner in September. Oh, (laughs) Uh, again, out at the this place that John and I go to is a it's a casino. So, and I'm sure most of our listeners, at least in the U.S., have a casino close by that has. The, yeah, they get the like the second tier acts that can't play that aren't big enough to play arenas generally. 
I got kicked out, but I'm coming right back. There you go. It's terrible. You're a lot louder now. Am I? That's so weird. Okay. Well, sorry for the technical problems, folks. Is your camera connected via Bluetooth or is it connected via wire Wi-Fi? No, I'm just I'm just gonna use my computer's camera. I've been using you notice my camera's not as good now. It looks like okay. a potato. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh now. Now it's now my signal looks really bad. Looks okay. Anyways. You look, you look like you're a prisoner somewhere. A prisoner. There's yeah, a ransom. I'm reading a statement. Yes, really. I'm fine. Yeah. You're treating me proof of life. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm not going to use, I'm going to keep it on this camera. See if that makes a difference. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. So I had a few, I had a few news things I wanted to talk about. Oh, I got a concert. I'm coming to go see. Oh oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to go see the killers in Vancouver. I think it's either July or August. Now, I have not, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, yet every time I've seen them, I've liked them. I think I saw them on Austin City Limits. On, I saw them on one of those live shows, and I thought, these guys are good. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good I don't live. Their stuff. So, oh, and I think I've seen them like on Jimmy Kimmel or some, or Conan or something. I've seen them on TV a couple times, and every time I've liked them. You know, I've, yeah, they're I pretty they, talented. I thought they formed um, in Las Vegas. I that sounds familiar to me. Yeah, they are good though. Every time I've seen them, I've enjoyed them. Are, are they coming to town? No, I'm going to Vancouver, BC. Oh, oh, that's right. You said that. Okay, cool. They're in the Rogers Arena, which is the smaller arena. Are you going there just to see them? And hang around and yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. I that's see, might see some lives. Some bar bar bands and that kind of stuff when we're up there too. It's fun to get awesome. out. Cool, cool. I had just a few little headlines. I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just wanted to share these. Kiss has been in their never ending end of the road tour. I don't know how long they've been doing it now, but they just announced <laughs> another. They tour. just announced no. They're adding 100 dates to their end of the road tour. So the end of the road is nowhere in sight yet. That's so, it's so weird. Technology's one. I tell you, John, this internet, it's a fad. It's a fad. It's, okay. it's never, it's a fad. It's never going to last. So, you know, <laughs> I remember when I had like an analog TV, remember those analog yeah. TVs where you had yeah. UHF and VHF and you had cable and the TV wouldn't go out. Unless no. someone did something incredibly wrong, but yeah. w- with streaming, it's like you just expect uh, to like the climax of the movie you're watching to fail on you. See the little, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And I remember working in radio when I started in radio. We were still. We've talked about this before. Carts. We still were playing carts, and the music we played was vinyl we actually were playing records you know so you'd queue up a record and and uh when we got cd machines this is 87 i think that oh this is great because cds don't skip well then we found out cds skip way more than records ever skipped and when they skip they don't stop skipping right Yeah. yeah i'd much rather have stuck with vinyl Anyways, so yeah, Kiss is adding a hundred dates. Uh, so they they don't know th- uh, when the tour will actually end. Here's the interesting thing, and Gene has even talked about this. He says he doesn't see that Kiss has to end. I mean, Kiss could become basically like Cats on Broadway, right? Where <laughs> where 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 or like or like Trans Siberian Orchestra, right? Yeah, where I it could... just be comes every year oh the kiss the kiss concert is coming and so you just have a cast of characters musicians that would come and play the parts of kiss and play their music and that could go on forever you know as gene and paul are 80 years old 
they continue to rake money in as as they send this kiss act around. That's kind of and what you know, Queen Queen did when that kind of, that cover band yeah, that they had. Totally, totally. And you know what? They <laughs> they could totally do it and totally make a lot of money. And you think of, for instance, you didn't. You didn't go because you didn't support your wife. But Hamilton, that just oh. came to town, perfect example, a Broadway yeah. show, which, by the way, John, I really liked Hamilton. I really liked you it. I, I just think you're not really into musicals too much, are you? Like, I'm really not into musicals. I've seen so, a bunch. Yeah, but. in general, I'm not either, but I did like Hamilton. But my point is, when you when there's a a, a popular Broadway show – that's what they do. They send a tour out that does the show. It's not the actual people that you would have seen on Broadway. They cast a new <laughs> cast. It's a new cast. They're obviously very talented, you know, but it's not the people you're expecting to see. Uh, but but Kiss could totally take on that same model. The Beatles. Well, how many different groups have toured as Beatles tribute band? Beatlemania, Rain. There are so many different touring Beatle bands, same type of deal. And I could totally see Kiss, an officially sponsored, sanctioned Kiss show that they would actually call Kiss doing and that. They could, and that could probably get some really good musicians in there, too. Um, exactly. Well, that's the whole thing. Don't get me started on that. Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer are way better musicians than Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely. People want to fight me when I say that. Totally true. And Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer have both been in Kiss longer than Peter, Chris, and Ace Freely ever were. Right. But they don't get any respect in there. But that's a whole other story. So there's that. Also, this big arena tour now with uh, Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Poison, Joan Jett, this big, can't remember what it's called, the big tour that's going on. Well, Tommy Lee broke like six ribs. Doing and what? I don't know. I don't know the details falling but down he, drunk. He, he played a show with broken ribs and the doctor said, you can't do that. And so what he's been doing each night, he'll just play a few songs and then someone else will come and fill in for him. But now I think he just played his first full set since breaking his ribs. So wow. that's like six of, weeks. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, the footage I've seen is actually better than I expected. You know, for the last few years, all you see are these terrible videos of how bad Vince Neil sounds. And he still sounds bad, but not like it has been. He looks he looks better and he sounds better than he has for a while. And speaking of old people that are hurt, White Snake. White Snake's in the middle of a big tour. And um uh, Tommy Aldridge, who's like 76, the drummer, who's phenomenal. There was a little uh, controversy. He had to miss some shows because he was sick. And the promoter in Spain had said that due to Tommy's serious health condition, uh, and and Coverdale released a statement said, no, Tommy doesn't have a serious health condition. He's great. He's just been sick. So he had to miss some shows. Well, as soon as that was kind of settled down. Then Coverdale, they have to cancel a bunch of shows because Coverdale has an infection. A, like a, It's not COVID, but it's some type of viral infection that he's had to cancel like 10 shows or something. So White Snake is having problems. And there's a clip from last week where, and I don't know if this is because Red Beach, who's in White Snake, Wait. Was it in Red Winger, Beach, too? He was in Winger. Yeah, he was in Winger. Really one of those shreddy 80s guitar players, but he's a really good guitar player. He had to miss some shows. And so I saw a clip last week of Steve Vai playing with White Snake. And I don't know. He did for a while there. in the 80s. Well, yeah, he did the whole Donington, the slip of the tongue. When they were really at their zenith, right? They had the two albums. They had the White Snake 87 with Vivian Campbell and Adrian Vandenberg, which. Of course, the funny part is, is no one on that album cover or in those videos actually plays on that album except for David Coverdale because Vivian Campbell and, and Vandenberg and Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge, they all came in after the album was done and Coverdale fired the band. 
and yet they <laughs> appear in the videos. So then Slip of the Tongue, which came out in like 89 or 90, that's when they brought Steve Vai in. So it was Steve Vai. Vivian Campbell had left. Steve Vai and Adrian Vandenberger on that album, and they did the big Donington show in 91. This was really... This was like the t- this was the last tail end of tail, tail end, end of, of metal hair of metal. metal. It totally at that Donington. If you want to see the tail, if you want to see the last big hair metal show, it's that Donington show with Vandenberg and Steve Vai, and it's the zenith of hair metal, right? So, anyways, so Vai played a few dates with them last week, and I don't know if he was actually playing the whole show because red beach couldn't play or if he was just sitting in on songs. But as I think back, red beach wasn't in the video. So maybe he was doing whole shows. Joel Hoekstra is the other guitar player in white snake. White snake has this revolving carousel of players and they're all phenomenal. In fact, they have a female bass player now who's just crazy. It's, it's oh, awesome. What's, what's her name? Can't remember her name. She's really good. Tommy Alder just, I mean, they're great. I mean, they're awesome, but they're in their mid seventies. Well, everyone except the the bass player and Joel Hoekstra and Red Beach are probably only in their fifties, but you know, everyone else. Oh, and then here's something I hope you could uh, fill us in on because you're a smart guy. This is just a headline. Slash is entering the metaverse to host a virtual reality concert. Okay. There you go. The metaverse. And metaverse, huh? So is it like a second life or something? I don't know. This whole metaverse thing. And here's what's funny is I seriously have done like when I say I do I do voiceover stuff and I, I do voiceovers for a couple different YouTube channels. And one of them is all about the metaverse. And I've probably done 10 videos on the metaverse. And I still don't know what it is. Huh. I still I still don't understand. I mean, I kind of understand what it is, but I don't understand why anyone anyone would want to waste their time messing with it. So there's no appeal to me. I think what I understand about the metaverse in terms of <laughs> at least in terms of comic books is right. that there's traditionally very even Star Wars is this way, where you have very specific things that happen at certain times. The characters do things that, you know, and if you have a multiverse or a metaverse, they can, the, the writers can do anything they want to with the characters. They don't have to follow that path that the characters started on. So what the metaverse is, I have no idea. So, you know, Facebook, if you notice now, is called Meta. Meta. The name of the company is now Meta. And so the idea of this metaverse is... <clears throat> To me, it and I'm old, right? I'm going to sound like an old guy when I say it, but the metaverse is just a virtual reality world that that you'll live in, right? I mean, you spend all, you know, if you're going to spend all your time online, you can have this metaverse where you have your own. There's there's money. There's you can commute, what, you have your own avatar. You, that's what Bitcoin is. To, it's the same, it's the same uh uh network of nerdetry, you know, that, that right. Bitcoin is built on. So there's a there's a platform Isn't called that, Second please? Life about about 15 Second years Life. ago. Yeah. And Bitcoin started as a way for people to buy things in Second in Life. Second Life. Exactly. It had no currency. Right. No, it was just like, like having gold coins in Mario brothers. Exactly. No meaning. It's it's monopoly money. It has no meaning outside of that. And then somehow it did. And somehow now it does. Well, it did until about two weeks ago. Right. (laughs) Right. But but NFTs, the same, same type of thing is you can pay to have a non fungible, transaction whatever, whatever it means where you would actually pay to have a digital work of art or what i i i don't get it i, I don't, don't get, get it, it either 
but Slash is going to be doing a c- virtual concert. Non fungible, so you can't share it or record it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. It's ridiculous. Okay, so here's the other thing, and this 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 is. I told John we're going to get philosophical. Okay, John's ready to get phil- philosophical. I've been thinking about this a lot. You are not a fan of sports talk, I don't think, are you? Do you ever listen to sports no. talk? Here's what's know. funny. I'm not a huge sports fan, but I listen to sports talk all the time. And Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd. Yeah, he's an Eastern alum. Yeah, Colin Cowherd went to the same school that I went to. You went to Eastern too, yeah. right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we both went to Eastern. Colin Cowherd is a big talk show sports guy uh skip bayless a lot of former and, athletes a lot of former Shaquille, athletes but o'neill charles barkley yeah, yeah, well yeah they're they're on on the nba show and that's i watch a lot of that stuff but here's here's the point i was trying to get to and i really notice it the most with like Stephen a smith and colin cowherd i have to be careful how i say this because i don't want you to think i'm crazy when i say this but Outside of a very narrow set of technical proficiencies, I want you to I want you to really think about this. Other than a very small percentage of things where where technical expertise is really required, everything else about experts is completely about their confidence and and let me and 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 think about it this could be someone in entertainment this could be a musician this could be it's everywhere in politics right finance with jim kramer finance with jim okay so that's exactly what i'm talking about and so the reason i brought up these sports guys is if you listen to stephen a smith colin cowherd they are the experts think about Think about a weatherman on TV. They're the weather experts. It doesn't matter if they're wrong most of the time, right? It doesn't matter if Colin Cowherd is wrong with his hot takes most of the time or Stephen A. Smith. It doesn't matter. The fact is because they act like they are experts, people treat them like they are experts. I would agree with that. So I does agree. that mean you and I are f- just frauds? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. And we are every bit as expert as anyone else that talks about music. I would, uh, I take that as a compliment. I'm, I find myself doing a lot of research for um, the classic guitar rock podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's the thing. Here's Jeremy as a motivational speaker, right? Don't let anyone tell you that your opinion is any less valuable than theirs is. Because it's not, you know, because as an argument, right? For instance, as an argument, when we talk about music, it's completely subjective, right? It's completely subjective. There's no, you can't prove that Eddie Van Halen's the greatest guitar. You know, you can't. Yeah, that's part of the fun, right? Is the arguing back and forth. But the reality is you can't prove any of that. It all comes down to who who do we look at? And and I'll use Eddie Trunk as an example. Eddie Trunk, who has millions of followers and listeners to his shows. And this is not a slam against Eddie Trunk at all. But Eddie Trunk is no smarter or knows no more about music than you or me or anyone that listens to this podcast, right? The difference is, is he acts like he knows what he's talking about. right? <laughs> and, and that's the secret. And here's my motivational speaker part. I've been listening to a lot of this stuff, this whole, and it's, 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 it's hokey, right? It's kind of goofy, but but I think there's a seed of truth. And that's this whole idea. If you talk about the law of attraction or the law of assumption or any of this stuff, it's all about manifesting, you know, what you want. It's it's about 
what's the word I'm looking for? How you, how you, how you project, how you think about it, how you, how you focus on something. There's a lot, there's a lot of truth to that. If you believe in something, you can make it so to a certain extent. And I'm not talking crazy, you know, these people that promise, you know, promise you a miracle or whatever. But what I'm saying is I really think that 90% of it is acting like, you know, what you're talking about, even if you don't, I know that's the case. Anytime you're talking about whether it's a guy reviewing music or a guy on a sports talk show, any of the so-called experts, you said a financial advisor, absolutely right. Dave Ramsey might say one thing and another guy who's also an expert might give you a Jim Cramer might give you a completely different. Dave, Dave Ramsey may have said something different 10 years ago. Absolutely. He may say something that's, I mean, no, 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 I'm not picking on Dave Ramsey, but no, but but uh, I've seen, yeah, it's, there's a, a whole contingent of people on Reddit on wall street bets that likes to take Jim Cramer and make his predictions six months out and see how wrong he was. And there's right. just over and over and over. He's wrong. Right. And I think the reason why he's wrong so much is because he's on air all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could take yeah. any, any, whether it's a pundit, whether it's a sports caster, three hours a day, they're putting out content. And so absolutely they're going to be wrong a lot, but if they're, if they're forceful enough with their opinion, oh, well, that guy's got to be right. He's so sure of himself. He's got to be right. And and what's my point? What am I even talking about? Believe it or not, I wanted to talk about this to lead into talking about guitar pedals. <laughs> so before we before we dive off this, there was I think I may be wrong, but I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who said you can be an expert at any subject in six months. If, if, I, if the way I heard it a, is 10,000 10, hours or something or 1,000 hours. Yeah. If yep. you wanted to be uh, an expert on nuclear fission, you could do it. Yep. Nothing is nothing stopping you from being an expert. Maybe a right. PhD. but And then also Woody Allen made – I can't remember the, the exact number. I think like 90 95% of success is just showing up. So that's what's, yep. what makes us experts on – our individual experiences with music is we show up and do a podcast. That's the only yeah. reason why we're experts. Absolutely. And, and we're no more or less an expert than anyone else that has an opinion, right? That's the beauty right. of, of opinions. We can't hook up an album to a machine that will measure. Oh yes, this is the greatest album ever made. So it's all subjective, right? And I just been thinking about that because you'll see people argue back and forth and they'll say someone critiques an album and they'll say, well, well, these guys have sold 50 million albums. How many have you sold? And I'm like, well, that doesn't change an opinion in any way. You know, there's lots of albums that have sold 50 million copies that I might still think is a piece of crap. And my opinion is just as valid as, as anyone else's. And so it's just interesting. And, and one of the things that made me think about that, there's a guitar pedal. Yep. called a con it was, it was the manufactured in the early 90s or mid yes. 90s it, and it it is the holy grail they of came in and they were they were slightly pricey at the time and they were ugly yeah there's they came in there's an what, ugly box yeah there's what they call boutique boutique amps boutique pedals these boutique are guitars. devices that are made in lower numbers for people mm-hmm. that are willing to pay money they're supposedly have better quality better sound better everything boutique so there was the clon what was it actually called uh I think it was a clon centaur the clon centaur that's what it was and so it was a gold it's an overdrive pedal right a gold metal box it had kind of a a, a stencil drawing of a centaur and it was supposedly the holy grail of overdrive pedals, handmade, point to point wired. The and, guy built these in his apartment and shipped and it I out. Think he, 
I think he put epoxy on them after a while so people couldn't copy the circuit. It was like oh, some yeah. kind of... And so if you can find a clone, an original clone, you're going to pay five grand, seven grand, eight grand for one of these for- pedals. Yeah. And, and John bought, I think, did you just get it on Amazon? I got it off of Amazon. John ordered, uh, there's a Chinese company called Mosque, and there's tons of little companies like this. <laughs> they make one called, it's called the Silver Horse, right? And it's a little metal silver mini pedal, and it's a ripoff of the Klon. It's, okay? I wouldn't say it's a ripoff. It's a direct copy. A direct you- copy. Yeah. If you wanted to like take a, a CD of Madonna music and then duplicate it digitally and you had another take, exact, these circuits are exactly the same. Exactly. That's what they did. So this Chinese company took the circuitry of the clon, put it in a little box, and John paid $35 for his I paid $19.99 oh, with free okay. shipping. Because now I think they're up to like 30 So. For 20 bucks, John got the same circuit as the Klon for $19.99. For some reason, he didn't want to pay $7,500 for the original Klon. And John, um, he didn't really like it. John, you, you said it was okay, but it's like, this is not. You know, when I step on a pedal, I want it to make a change, like a big, significant change. Like compression to me is like. Sometimes it's hard to understand what compression is doing because you can't really hear it. You can right. more of a feel kind of thing. But this pedal was just like a, it was like a volume pedal, basically. It was like a, a like a boost pedal, and not uh, a whole lot of drive, not real gain. Yeah, yeah not, not a lot. You of couldn't distortion. hear any crunch, so you turn yeah. it on and your guitar just sounds louder. And I was like, so, oh man, oh. So John said. Hey, Jeremy, you want this? I don't want it. It sucks. So he gave me this $20 pedal, right? I brought it home. I plug it in. And I'm kind of like, John, I'm like, "Mm, it's okay. I mean, good thing it was only 20 bucks, right? So fast forward a few weeks ago, and we've mentioned Josh, the JHS pedals guy. Awesome channel. Uh, If you're a guitar nerd, you have to go to the JHS pedals. What's the channel actually called? Is it just JHS? I think it's just JHS. So you go there and Josh is the owner and he does these head to heads where he takes, and I love what's cool is these have nothing to do with JHS, right? He's just, he's a pedal nerd. He loves talking about pedals. So he has that very same silver horse pedal that John gave me, right? 25 to $30 pedal. And they AB it against a $7,500 clon. And the idea of this contest is he's got it behind. It's like the it's like the Pepsi challenge, right? You don't see which one you're drinking. Same thing. So he's got another guy who's got his guitar plugged in, and Josh will A, B them, and the guy doesn't know what pedal he's playing. And then he's supposed to pick out which one is the real $7,500 clon. So he's got a 50-50 chance. Right. So so in this particular episode, he does like four or five different pedals and and they're comparing them to the $400 original TS808 chip against another, you know, a, a tube screamer clone. But it was amazing to me and I can't even remember. The guy might have picked the right one on the clone, but I know on the other ones he didn't. He couldn't tell the difference. And even on the clone, even if he could tell the difference, I could tell I could not tell the difference between the $7500 Klon and the 30 $25 Mosky Silver Horse. Same circuit. Right. right. And I think there's so much tied up in the guitar world like cork sniffers. Cork sniffers. That's exactly what they are. Is there's a snobbery involved, right? They're like Yeah. It's it's really gotten since I, I think the biggest one the biggest influence on the guitar snobbery has been Paul Reed Smith. I agree. So and Paul Gibson. Reed Smith is a Gibson. So Paul yeah. Reed Smith was a guitar builder out of Connecticut, I think. Mm-hmm. East Coast guy, yeah. and he yeah. was running a repair shop for Gibsons and Fenders, and he would repair a lot of guitars. And he came up with so. Fenders have a certain scale length. It's like 25 and something. 
and mm-hmm. Gibsons are generally a little shorter. My hands. So fenders right. are longer by about an inch, a little more than an inch. And what happens is when you tune your strings up, the the Gibson strings are a little slacker and the Fender strings are a little tighter. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing a guitar, uh, like a, a Fender guitar will have a more of a snappy feel because the, the strings are under a little bit higher tension because of the length. While uh, Gibson will have a more of a creamy kind of feel. Right. So um, Paul Reed Smith came up with the idea of let's, let's marry the two together. So he made his guitar, the custom 24 that had 24 frets on it, which neither Gibson nor uh, Fender had, but it had a Fender, had a Fender style double cutaway. So you could get up on the neck and it had a scale length that was in between those two brands. Right. But one thing he did was he started putting these really gorgeous quilted flame maple tops on them Mm -hmm. and selling them at a premium, even more so than uh, Gibson. Right. The guitars are way more expensive than so some of these guitars were, you know, five, seven thousand dollars. This was 20 years ago. And because of that, there's been a new like a lot of guitar builders are, are at least American builders are, are finding a place where they can sell a five to seven thousand dollar guitar to somebody. And since PRS, you notice Gibbs, and we mentioned it on a previous episode, you brought it up, John. Younger players don't buy Gibsons. No, Gibsons are them. are now marketed to rich guys in their fifties and sixties who can buy a five thousand dollar guitar, right? right? Fortunately, Fender, you can still get a good Fender for under a thousand bucks. I I would say pushing a little more, more about twelve hundred, a little more, right? But even a, oh. even a Mexican made Fender oh. is not a bad guitar, right? That you yeah, can get you, for you, five or six hundred bucks. You can get a Mexican Fender for. Like used, if you spend more than 600 bucks, you're getting taken on it. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But someone in this connection with this idea I brought up about perception, cork sniffing is the, is the exact right word, right? That's mm-hmm. the exact right word. We're guilty of it in the, in music, in instruments, this idea that we're brand conscious about what's on our pedal board, right? Right. I'm going to buy this $7,500 Klon. Oh, I wouldn't put that $50 piece of crap. It's the same circuit. Can't even yeah. tell the difference. I, I just think that's funny. I just, I, it cracked me up when I saw that. And it's really hokey when you look at the silver horse, because it's got this. It's, it's got this a hokey looking pedal. Horse, horse that's drawn kind of the same hokey way that the Centaur is drawn on the original Klon. Same circuit. You know, I yeah. can't tell the difference. And yet, for whatever reason, some guys want to want to buy. You know, oh yeah, I got to pay five hundred dollars for this pedal when they could get the same thing. And and remember, Josh does that whole shootout with the Behringer pedals, right? Where he's got all oh, of these yeah. Behringer pedals that are twenty five to thirty dollars each, that are direct the same circuit as these yeah. vintage pedals that you're going to pay four or five hundred bucks for. And he doesn't right. say. You're crazy for doing it, but he just says, "Hey, you know." <clears throat> and and Josh yeah. made a a pedal up to compare pedals. He made up a yeah. a silent switch, so yeah. he'll be playing a phrase, and somebody will be switching it middle of him playing, and you can't hear when the one pedal is switched off and the other's on. It's yeah. seamless. These yeah. pedals are so close. It's it's just fun. It's just fun. All right. Uh, John, we haven't even gotten to our album yet. We haven't got to the album yet. So when we come back, as promised, let's talk about a classic album from 1979. It's Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. It's coming up right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. basement can be a lonely place. Hello? Hello? Is anyone in here? Yet, at the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast, the basement is all that Jeremy and John have. Their wives don't want them geeking out on classic rock in the living room. Can you blame them? But you can help. For as little as $3 a month, you can become a supporter on Patreon. 
Join today and end the cycle. Visit patreon.com slash classic guitar rock. They'll still be in the basement, but at least it's not your basement. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to know the secret to a happy life? Love, peace, and taco grease. And a little bit of rock and roll. Welcome to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Super the album was Super Tramps Breakfast in America. Breakfast in America. So, quick history. Do you want to give us a quick history on Super Tramp, or do you want me to? Uh... As far as I know, what I could read on Wikipedia was that they were kind of a prog rock band coming mm-hmm. out of England, and they had a little bit of success, not much, and then they went decided to go to a more poppy sound and have more concise songs, and they came up with uh, Breakfast in America, and they had four songs that were in the top ten from that album. Yeah, four big hits. Four yeah. big hits. Big time. And so the the two prime drivers in the band were uh, Roger Hodgson and Rick. It's, it's spelled like Davies, but I think he actually pronounces it Davis. Rick Davis. Those are the two prime writers in the band. And singers. Um, <clears throat> the singers and wrote all the stuff. Both multi-instrumentalists. They both play guitar. They both play keys. Very talented guys. But what was interesting is, and there's a there's a a message here for all of us since we're being all cosmic tonight. They were very different people. So Rick Davis, he was brought up in a very uh, blue collar upbringing. You know, very much into rock and roll. Roger Hodgson went to private schools and was from a more upper class family was very much into pop music. So the two, the two were very different, but they wrote very well together. So they had kind of a great, a great partnership. And I think really it was crime of the century came out like 74. So uh, what's the big hit, hit off of that? Give a little bit, no, give a little bit came uh, even in the quiet moment. So uh, what's our other big hit? Dreamer was the big one on crime of yeah, the century. Dreamer. For yeah. Dreamer. Uh, and then right, right. Your bloody your well, bloody right. well, right. So those were, so 74 kind of put them on the map. They had give a little bit came out in 77. That was on e- even in the quiet, quietest moments. Another hit, but yeah, it was this album, 79. Uh, breakfast in america that really did it so the album it's mellow right it's mellower than what i usually listen to and there's not a lot of classic guitar on it there's not but here's what there is and here's what here's what i appreciate about we talked about white snake being (laughs) that was the end of hair metal that was the last throws hair metal well to me, this album is kind of the last throws of those big, opulent albums of the 70s, right? That they took. First of all, you look at you look at Super Tramp's history, and this does not happen anymore. Black Hat, thanks for joining us. And yeah, it's a great album. John and I have been playing it a lot over the last couple of weeks they had several albums that just were not successful. It wasn't until 74 and they'd been around since like 1969. It wasn't until 74 that they had a modicum of of success. They weren't a, they weren't a huge band by any means, but they had had a hit. 
And then it wasn't until 79 that they had a really big multi-platinum hit in Breakfast in America. Okay, there could never be a super tramp today. We've made this point several times. And they're no kind of like would give you 10 years to find yeah. your footing. You know, like I think they're kind of like Fleetwood Mac in that regard. Yeah, totally like Fleetwood Mac. To- and and from the same from the same school of huge production, you know, let's take a year to make an album. They you can't do that anymore. Right? And so this is kind of one of those albums that you're like, wow, they, they didn't make many albums like this after this. And what I like about this from a guitar standpoint, John, and the very first song, that Gone Hollywood song, mm-hmm. you really hear it. You think about what we call classic guitar. You think about a rock album. You take a Van Halen album, a Judas Priest album, an Iron Maiden album. They're all they're all based on a guitar riff, right? That's what drives it. It start the song starts with the cool riff. It's riff based. This type of music is the exact opposite. All right, right? it's it's arrangement based. It's arrangement based. I think I was calling it ensemble based, right? Is there is great guitar stuff to hear if you listen for it, but the songs aren't based on a guitar riff. In fact, most of the songs are based on a Wurlitzer riff, right? Wurlitzer. Right? With the, yeah. With the phaser pedal. They use the guitar totally. pedal. If our listeners don't understand this by now, I'm more of a pop, I have more pop sensibility, and Jeremy has more of a rock sensibility. I grew up more on in pop music, and uh, I really enjoyed this album. I really yeah. did. I was yeah. like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a pop album that apl- that appeals to pop people, make it as interesting, and it, it, they sound like no one else. I mean, they yeah. don't sound prog rock at all in this album. They don't sound like no. Yes. They don't sound like Genesis. You know, They don't sound like Pink Floyd. They sound like themselves, You know, which is really a cool thing. And so, like Gone Hollywood, the guitar part, I mean, if you were to isolate just the guitar, it's pretty heavy. I mean, there's some pretty heavy riffs going on, but it's part of, like you said, it's arrangement-based. It's part of an arrangement. And that was what's, that's what's cool about it. That's why I loved Al Stewart albums and ELO albums and Alan Parsons. Yeah, you know, it's an ensemble. It's it's an arrangement based where and again, I I like the hard rock, but it it became much simpler with the hard rock. And so you hear this album and it's much there's just so much more going on. You know, I noticed listening in my headphones, you know, you hear the the harmonies, for instance, you know, the way they're panned, you know, you've got you've got a, a tenor over here and you've got an alto over here. And you, I mean, it's just, there was so much thought that went into it. Roger Hodgson during the recording of this album, he actually bought an RV and had it parked in the parking lot of the studio. So he wouldn't have to leave because <laughs> that, that's how much time they were spending on all the mixes oh. and remixes. So did and they have automation back then for mixing? I don't, if they did, it was the early days. I don't know. That's a very good so question. If you're dealing with, with audio and mixing, you have back in the day, you had a big mixing desk. Everything now has gone digital, so it doesn't. Right. But you would have this big mixing desk with all these channels in it, and one mic would go into one hole, and, and you could make that one mic louder or quieter. But around that time, they came up with automation, which was they had servo motors put in the faders, and you could program them to fade up and fade down with digital every week you can automate everything you can automate pans you can but i think this was about the time they started to automate mixes but i don't know if this album was done that way i'm not sure i i I would guess it probably wasn't yeah so that means sometimes you would have when you're mixing the album you would have two or three people sitting on the board like a for a big mix and they would have to remember yep. during this section of the verse i need to bring up the 
the tenor voice a little more, or I need to, for the guitar solo, I need to bring the guitar solo up a little more. So it was kind of like a, like a, an orchestrated kind of thing. Even mixing it was, was required several bodies. And John, or I'm sorry, Black Hat asked, uh, and John, you might know this. He asked if, if it was recorded in quadraphonic. And that's a good question. Oh. I don't, I don't think Breakfast in America was. I don't, I don't know. think it was. It, it didn't come out in the Wikipedia article, so I, I'm. Yeah, I don't think it was. And to be honest, by '79, quadraphonic was kind of that was kind of an early to mid '70s thing. At least that's my understanding. And that's was only. A, was it a reel-to-reel format, or was it a tape or a cassette or um, a record? Well, you had to buy. You had to buy. A very receiver. specific equipment, right? A receiver right. that was quadraphonic. And that was part of the problem is it was expensive to get quadraphonic right. stuff. Cause like a lot of the pink Floyd stuff was quadraphonic, but I think by the tail end of the seventies, just because no one would buy quadraphonic, they quit making quadraphonic stuff. Right. right? But to your point, John, I know on dark side, I know even led Zeppelin to the, the different, albums we've talked about they talk about exactly what you said john where you had to have eight people huddled over the board because at a certain point i had to turn this up you know and do this so that's and it was and the the mastering of it or not the 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 mixing of it became a performance unto itself totally so you would you would do multiple takes of the same down to your your half inch tape it was right. It was quite an art form to mix back in the back in the seventies. And one of the things with this album too, John, they they made that point is the band took so long on the arrangements, getting it to sound exactly the way they wanted it to sound. Then the mixing became a whole nother issue. The mixing right. took so long for them to do it, and it was they were very frustrating. And even with the final mix, no one was really happy. They just were at the deadline. So yeah. who knows what it might have sounded like, but we all know the hits, right? Logical Song, Goodbye Stranger, Breakfast in Breakfast America. Breakfast in America, Long Way Home. Long Way Home. You know what I heard? I heard, especially in Breakfast in America, there's a real Beatles influence. There's the, the, That has a very whimsical Beatles sound with the tubas and everything going on and in the, that song. The, that totally reminds me of the Beatles song. And the, yeah. the klezmer the klezmer clarinet yes is that what so, that is so klezmer music is traditionally like jewish uh folk song kind of stuff where you have a band and, that have i don't think they had trumpets but they had a lot of clarinets in them but that right. whole phrasing of that clarinet solo in there is all i okay yeah and and here's the thing I have no love for horns, John. I think you know this. I don't like I don't like horns in my rock and roll. But on this album, you gotta have horns. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it would not be super tramp without horns. And an interesting thing, John Helleman, I think is the name that the saxophone player. I went back and watched some videos. I don't know if you did this, John, but this guy, they brought him in as the sax, and he's been there since 74. I think he came in right before Crime of the Century. But he's kind of a multi-instrumentalist, saxophone, flute, you know, all kinds of woodwinds. I think he might even do some keyboard stuff, sing some background vocals. He's their MC. So if you see a super tramp show between every song, this saxophone it, if you were if you didn't know about the band you would assume he was like the band leader right because he's the one that does all the talking i just thought that was funny he's a saxophone player right that is but he's the one that talks between all the songs you know roger and rick would hardly ever talk but but the thing that's cool about this album and here's the lesson we can take from it we don't do politics here right but i think we can all agree that our world is kind of messed up right now and the the message that at least Roger and Rick share, I think, is the and they talk about it a lot. They are completely different. They had completely different lifestyles. They had completely different things they were interested in. One liked rock and roll. One liked pop. 
but it was that tension, right? It was coming from two different places that, that made their music so good. Kind of Lennon and McCartney were the same way, right? I think they were different enough that they brought those things together. And that's what made it, that's what made it great. One of the, the early names of this album, they wanted to call it hello stranger and play, play on the fact that the two were so different. That, that even though they worked together all the time, they were completely different. And they they wound up changing the name. They, they wanted to go for a little lighter approach. They're, they won Grammys. They won two Grammys. One was for the album design, that iconic cover with the waitress holding up the orange juice, you know, the New York skyline made out of, you know, things you'd find at a restaurant. It's brilliant, right? But they wanted to go a little lighter, and so they they. But goodbye, stranger, is kind of based yeah. on that whole concept of of things. But I know we didn't give it enough attention, John. We didn't spend enough time on this album. But we haven't got together for a couple of weeks, and we just no, needed to-, we to catch up. But it was it's a it's a great album, and it's one of those albums you lay back at night with your headphones on and and listen to it. And they don't make them like that anymore. They don't, you know, they don't make albums like that anymore. That, and it's those, those songs would never make radio airplay. No, 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 no way they would. And, and no band would get a chance to mature into it. Like it there's a reason we call it classic rock, right? One final thing before we let you go, we appreciate all your support. It's been awesome. We continue to grow. Uh, we are over 15,000 followers on Twitter. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, please do at, at classic guitar R one at classic guitar R one. You can follow us there. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube, but we would ask you to do us a favor. And that is to, to go to Patreon. And if you can afford $3 a month, that makes a big difference. Uh, we're already to the point where we're starting to incur costs to continue to, uh, you know, make the podcast happen. So if you're able to afford three bucks a month, we would sure appreciate it. If you can't, that's great. We appreciate you listening, listening. but uh, we appreciate you coming in. Sorry for the technical issues. Black hat. Thanks so much for tuning in. You got to give some shout outs, John, to some folks. Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, I want to shout out to Russ. Uh, My, uh, my son is dating a lovely gal and uh, Russ is, I think her stepdad, I've never met him, but I heard he listens. So thanks Hi, for Russ. listening. Yeah. Thanks Russ. I want to thank my sister, my sister, Tammy Clark, who uh, is a social worker. And she told me a few weeks ago that she's been binging every episode of our podcast. So most of my family doesn't even know I have a podcast. Is, is, so. is there purging with the binging or just binging? <laughs> it's just the binging. I hope it's just binging so far. No purging yet. And also I want to say hi to my friend Gary Fillmore, who's a regular listener. Uh, So thank you, Gary, for listening. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye, John. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetie. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. (laughs) We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.